473 Charlie. 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 Sitting under the wing of one of my favorite airplanes. This, is the, this may be the most impractical airplane in the, uh, you know... In the military in the, inventory? In the U.S. order of battle, all right? I mean, but I just love this. is an Osprey, a, what, a V-22, I believe they call it? I think so, yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, we're... <laughs> But it's good for shit. No, it's a terrible thing to say. This is a, this is a very cool airplane. Uh, we happen to be in the shade of the wing here, out on the Warbird ramp uh, here at uh, at uh, Sun and Fun 2019. And uh, the uh, it's, uh, what is it, Fri- Friday afternoon? Friday, Friday afternoon. afternoon, the Blue Angels, uh, which is to say the uh, whole air show, just concluded again. And uh, we came out here to uh, check out some of the uh, military hardware that's going on. Um, and uh, like I said, this is a this is one of my favorites. I just think this is a cool airplane. But man, it's had troubles. Oh, it's in it's in operation, right? I was I mean, gonna say, yeah, they they seem to have solved most of it. Yeah, but the tilt rotor is a com- technologically really complex aircraft. Yeah, I mean, I, we were driving up to it just now, and I was looking at this, this engine nacelle that actually is just right off to our left, almost within arm's reach, and uh, first of all, it's very big, all right, and then I was trying to visualize the the uh, mechanism that connects the two, because they are interconnected yeah. in the event that one of them dies, so that the other one will, will spin both rotors. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's got to be a very complicated mechanism. This one's currently tilted all the way up so that it's in kind of, I don't know, what they call it, hover mode, I'd call it. But, uh, and take off and landing mode because you can't land this. That's right. The blades are too big. If it goes down near horizontal, the blades will strike. And the blades on this thing are freaking huge. Yeah, yeah. I so. mean, not just length, but the thickness and the cord on them. Uh, but this is a remarkable machine. I mean, it's... It, Hovers like a helicopter, takes off and lands like a helicopter. Goes like spit in level flight. Does it? Yeah. Oh, no. There is no helicopter capable of the speeds that this can make. Right. Yeah, because it gets in regular airplane mode. And gets in regular airplane doesn't mode. Doesn't have the problems that rotors have going fast. Yeah. Right. And uh, just really remarkable. My, my first exposure to this was when I was a, a, a pretty green aviation reporter in Washington. And uh, the magazine I worked for got an invitation to send somebody out to Andrews Air Force Base to get a uh, uh, see a demonstration of the uh, proof of concept on it. Because at the time, now this is about the middle 80s, the idea was that this was going to be the answer for interurban transportation. City center, city center, uh, high speed, going to do away with... Air, airline shuttles and all this stuff. There was only one small hiccup in that whole plan, and that was getting the neighbors to agree to have a pad for these things to take off and land. Because, yeah, admittedly, they're not quiet. I mean, they're they're louder than a helicopter when they're in hover mode. And uh, the NIMBYs, the NIMBYs prevailed. Yep. NIMBYs being not in my backyard. That's right. But the military persevered, and now we're sitting next to one in Marine Corps markings from VMM Squadron 261. Uh, it is a piece of work. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. I mean, it's not the. You know, it's not a very sleek airplane, but I just find it very appealing looking. It's just I like it a lot. So, uh, um, yeah. And I, uh, I'm trying to remember the. So I. The, I think the thing that tipped me over the edge to just really, really admiring and having, I don't know, you know, what would you call it? A plane crush, right? I have a plane crush <laughs> on this airplane. Uh, 
was a, uh, a novel that I read way back before this airplane was operational, when it was still in development. And uh, and there was it was all about this special ops team that was going to go out and do some mission and whatnot. And they embraced these brand new uh, uh, vertical takeoff aircraft. And uh, gosh, what was the name of that? I'll put it in the show notes, folks. I'll look it up. But uh, it was a fun novel way back in the early days of how they were using this. It was great. And uh, so, anyways, that's where we are right now. What else is going on here? So, uh, a genuinely oddball airplane. All right, is this uh, um, what is it? Dual fuselage. Mustang. Oh, the twin Mustang, yeah. Yeah. That's Which flew here. Okay. Did it really? Yesterday. Oh, I wish I'd seen that. Yeah. So it's out here on the ramp, and uh, I, I was here around when they towed it in the other day, and, and it kind of caused a little sensation. People were, like, going, pointing and looking, oh, look at that, wow. Um, it's, it's an odd airplane, and, uh, you know, I, I think it was you who was saying, what were they thinking? Why did they, you know, what did they think they were going to do with this airplane? Yeah, I did. Uh, you know, I understood the, uh, as an experimental concept. Uh, the twin fuselage Mustang, um, but I, I had trouble with the concept of how they were actually going to use it in combat. And only one pilot, but you got two fuselages with a wing in between, and then the rest of the wing and twin Merlins. Uh, it in the nose of each of the fuselages mm-hmm. that's joined by the center wing section. Uh, they only built one. It's here. It's operational in terms of air show flying. So did you ever figure out what the concept was? I mean, what did they think they were going to use it for? Uh, I think at the time they thought that they might be able to squeeze a l- close to jet performance out of it if they could get two Merlins rolling side by side. Uh-huh. But why they just didn't go for a conventional twin engine configuration, I never knew. But it's, it's, it's an neat... It's an intriguing aircraft to watch. I, I got to see it fly yesterday for just a little bit. And uh, it, the, the nicest thing about it does does have that lovely Rolls-Royce Merlin moan when it comes to roaring. Does it really? Do they, yeah. oh, that, but there's two of them. So right. do they, they don't do weird harmonics and interfere with each other? And well, I think, they, I think they've got it so that the props sync up. It means the engine will be right. turning the same RPM. Uh, I don't know that for sure, but as it went by... All I heard was that that lovely Merlin roar that comes from that big V12, which I'm not going to tell you what it does to me. It's a PG podcast. <laughs> so uh, I was talking to a, uh, a P-51 fan the other day who was, you know, we were talking about the distinctive sound that a Mustang makes when it flies overhead. And he was commenting about that one of the differences between the sound of different models is whether or not it has gun ports. Um, because apparently the wi- the wind will whistle across the gun ports in a if you're knowledgeable in a in a very particular sound. And he said he could tell the difference. Oh, that one doesn't have gun ports. This one does. You know, and uh, um, yeah, very interesting. Because I know it's the 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 Mustang is the only airplane that I can reliably recognize just from the sound. <laughs> well, and. Mustang was loaded up with Browning 50 caliber machine guns. Uh-huh. Now, half an inch diameter bullet generates a lot of heat going through the barrel. And the fire rate was such that they needed cooling air to help keep those Brownings cool enough that the, that the barrels didn't get hot. Because when they get hot, then bad things happen to the, the, the metal archie. And you can burn out the rifling if you let it get too hot. So the, the gun ports are a little bit bigger than the barrel, and the barrel has a cooling shroud across it there, and the air goes through, 
and passes over the receiver of the machine gun. And there's an exit, of course, for all the expended rounds. Okay. And the air goes whistling through there, and it does make a distinctive sound. If you didn't have the gun ports, the, the, the distinctive sound that you get is from the, uh, the superchargers that give the, the Merlins the boost they need for right. power at high right. altitude. Right, yeah. Which was something that the Brits taught the Americans. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, we've got two... Uh, Regular Mustangs right across from us here. Something interesting taking off. And I noticed that one of them has gun ports and the other doesn't. So maybe we're going to have to listen to them when they fly tomorrow. We've got Crazy Horse has no gun ports. Right. And I can't make out the name of the other one. Uh, can't see it from here, but I'm, I'm, I'm about to guess that it's Crazy Horse too. I, it does look like the word crazy on the side. It's at a funny yeah. angle. I can't quite make it out. Well, so They train. This is from... Uh, Stallion 51. Right. That's their aircraft. Lee Louderback. With They're the folks at, at Kissimmee, right? Over Kissimmee. Yeah. Lee Louderback with over 10,000 hours in Mustangs. And the Stallion 51, they do a lot of instruction. They do uh, unusual attitude training. Right. For, for business jet pilots and, and, and regular pilots. So Crazy Horse 2 has a second seat so that they can take a student up and introduce them to the recovery techniques that they'll be using later right. on in the L-39 that they have. Mm-hmm. So uh, it has gun ports. And right. It, uh, you know, 650 caliber machine gun. Uh, and it, once in a while you get to see an old World War II video of one of these fighter pilots in a dive shooting the machine guns, firing the machine guns. And if the clip's long enough, you can visibly see the aircraft slow down from the recoil. Really? Six yeah. or even eight half-inch bullets going out the barrel at the same time. Uh-huh. Wow. Uh, wow. It's particularly noticeable on uh, uh, Corsairs. Yeah. But we're going to have to listen to these two airplanes tomorrow and see if we can hear the difference between Crazy Horse and whatever that is, Crazy, Crazy Horse 2. Too. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Yeah. We'll check it out on the way out. We've got uh, two of uh, Cirrus's warbirds over here. What the heck? Why are there Cirruses on the warbird ramp? I don't quite understand this. Uh, we have a Cirrus jet, and uh, I assume that's a Cirrus. That's a Cirrus, right? That's a, is that yeah, a, it's an SR-22. That's a 22, right, yeah. yeah. So uh, they're sitting here, I, and I'm, I'm joking around. They appear to be showcase airplanes for this uh, uh, Whalen. Uh, uh, Whalen primarily does lights, or do they only do lights, right? Right. And, uh, so they're probably showing off the lighting systems that Whalen is, is yeah, selling. Yeah, you've got an SR-22, and then you've got the... Uh, uh, the uh, Cirrus jet, yep. the, the SJ-50, uh, yeah. which is turning into a pretty solid seller. Yeah, I know. The world's first certificated single-engine jet. Yeah, truly a personal jet. If I go back to the very earliest days of, of Uncontrolled Airspace podcast, we were talking about personal jets. Uh, and Back then it was, oh, what promise they have. We're very excited about this. And then it kind of stalled and faded a little bit. And, uh, but that one seemed to be doing well. It's actually got me in trouble because there was a period of time, listeners over the years have tried to encourage me. They said, Jack, you got to buy an airplane. you got to buy an airplane. Gotta, <laughs> what are you going to apply? What airplane are you going to buy, Jack? What airplane are you going to buy? And I finally decided that I was going to deal with this question by set, telling them that I, I'm going to, and this is when the Cirrus was still just a dream, all right, the uh-huh. Cirrus jet. I said, I'm going to buy a Cirrus jet, all right, you know, because thinking it would be years and years and years and years before the Cirrus jet ever was available. Now they're available. I have to figure out how to answer this question. So now you're going to have to wait for a used one to come over. Yeah, that, oh, good. I like that. That's what I'll do. That's what I'll do right there. What else is out here? We got a, uh, that's, a that's an F 18 right there, right? Uh, Air Force F 18? That is a. 
I believe it is because it has that distinctive wing, you know, extended up the side there. Yeah, I believe that's an that, F-15 or an F-8. I'm sorry, F-18 or an F-18. Okay, yeah, right. But it's an 18, I believe, because it's yeah. got that, that funky uh, leading edge of the wing that kind of comes up the side of the fuselage. And given, a, given the markings on it, I think it's Navy. VX squadron name. Well, you would you would know better than me. I thought that that star with the bars on the side indicated Air Force, but I'm, this uh, tilt rotor has the same insignia on it, and it's a Marine Corps. Oh, you're absolutely right. Look at that. Okay, all right. That's I think that's universal to American hardware. All right, I could be wrong. No, no, I mean I've, I, I, I've been known to be wrong on a daily basis. Yeah, but I'm I'm. I'm more likely to be wrong than you are, so <laughs> we'll go with that. Uh, what else is going on? So let's uh, let's see now. What's going on at the show here? Well, um, right, right, right behind the 18. Yeah, is a T1A Jayhawk, which is a beach jet that's used to train tanker and transport pilots for the airport. Really? Force. Yeah. I know a young lady uh, stationed in the Air Force down in uh, uh, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Well, she was. She was an instructor pilot on this for the last several years. Uh, Kimber is her name. I don't know if she listens, but then I'll tell her I mentioned her name on this when I see her next. But she had left Altus, uh, where she had been a, uh, an instructor pilot, to start to transition to being pilot in a KC-135 tanker, which is the outgoing tanker. And once she gets qualified on the 135, then they're going to move her to training for the new 146A Pegasus. Ah, there we go. Yeah. And she's fired up about that. What makes this little, what some people might characterize as a bizjet style aircraft, it's um, a, a it, good it's training a jet. It's What a makes it a good training platform for uh, for the big tanker aircraft? What they did for uh, for the armed services was equip it with avionics, comparable to what would be what they would be flying, and you got the uh, uh, flight characteristics so that more in line with what you'd be experiencing in a heavier aircraft. Uh, Learjet did the same thing for one of the airlines years ago. Equipped it with airline, a 31A with airline avionics and changed the uh, control architecture a little bit so it would be more in line with the uh, airliners that these guys were flying. Right. Because the airliner pilots were flying Trans-Pacific and they were having a hard time getting in the minimum number of takeoffs and landings in a month to be current. So they ordered a bunch of Learjet 31As modified to mimic that so these guys between uh, trans-Pacific flights could go out and fly on that airplane and get the requisite number of takeoffs and landings and uh, you know operational time like uh, right, instrument right. approaches and all that because when you fly trans-Pacific you usually have two crews only one of the four pilots would get to take off and only one of the four pilots would get to land and they would be hours apart and then so, they wouldn't do that again for three or four days. See, now that's interesting because I always, in my logbook, I have a column for uh, landings. I don't have a column for takeoffs because the assumption was the numbers were going to match. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, if you're in that kind of a situation, you need two columns. One for how many takeoffs you're going to ta- you're going to. Uh, 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 you know, PIC and how many landings. Well, it's interesting. Didn't they, back in the day, also set up some sort of bizjet aircraft to be a trainer for the space shuttle? Yes. Same same kind of uh, uh, situation. The right avionics uh, modification to the uh, control architecture so it would better mimic a glider. Yeah. A heavy glider. A very heavy glider because, you know, the only way the space shuttle got off the ground was under rocket power. Right. 
and after that it was a glider and as any soaring pilot like myself knows you usually get one mandatory landing for every free takeoff (laughs) and and there's no go arounds on the space shuttle (laughs) so they needed these guys to be primed to fly a glider from hundreds of miles up in space and down and around and over Florida and into the pattern and you got to get it right on the first try baby because there is no second try there's not any second try so Friday afternoon at uh, Sun and Fun 2019, uh, the weather continues to get better and better every day, although we did get a big thunderstorm at dawn this morning. Yeah. Uh, it rained pretty hard, but not for very long, um, and then it was a little cloudy for an hour or so, but then the sun broke out and it's been great. It, it Kind of a couple showers throughout the day, but really short. Yeah, we've had a couple little squalls come through. Yeah. So uh, the weather's great, and uh, the forecast is for it to continue to get a little warmer every day um, uh, through Sunday. And from our vantage point on the Warbirds range, we can see the powered parachutes doing their bit over at Paradise City. Yep. Last night when we were leaving to head back to camp, uh, they were actually a, it was actually a formation team doing it with smoke and the whole thing. Yeah. It was really cool. It was cool. It was cool. I don't know if we can hear if you guys can hear it, but there are airplanes taking off behind us out on the uh, 927 runway. Um, mostly uh, departures. I don't know if arrivals have started yet, but uh, uh, oh, they'll be running arrivals. They'll be, you know, yeah. There are people coming in from Lake Parker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah. they do it like the other fly-in, which is they do a bunch of take uh, departures first to kind of clear it out a little bit, and then they start letting. Arrivals. Yeah, a little bit, but because they only have basically one runway here, right. right? Yeah, but here they kind of segue two or three takeoffs, and then they'll land a couple. Because uh, Parker can get kind of crowded, yeah, uh, yeah, as we found in the past. Yeah. So tomorrow morning, uh, one of my favorite mornings of uh, the year at Sun and Fun uh, is uh, when we uh, get the uh, balloon launch, yep. uh, winds permitting, permitting, um, and that'll be fun. Uh, and, so and we'll, be, we'll have another Blue Angels show tomorrow. I was really surprised. We talked about this on yesterday's Daily. We were uncertain whether the Blues were going to do just two shows or what they're They're doing four shows here. They're doing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I can't recall I've ever seen them do four, a, a four-show you know, uh, appearance like this. Hey, we're special. Yeah. Well, I was listening to the uh, Airboss radio uh, today uh, in the sca- on our scanner in the uh, news in the uh, newspaper office in the radio office, <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, okay, laugh, laugh while you can. Um, but uh, they. Uh, so I was listening to the Airboss frequency, and one of the air show pilots taxiing down the line commented to the Airboss about how big he thought the crowd was. I mean, he said, he says, wow, big crowd here, you know, and so uh, they apparently, we have, I haven't heard anything like numbers yet, but uh, uh, it's... But, well, uh, we, we didn't leave the radio station to start over this way until after the blues finished. And judging by the pedestrian traffic streaming toward the parking lot, mm-hmm. uh, they've had a good crowd today. Uh, yep. The weather didn't put a damper on at all. No, no, no. And for, for, for the couple of people that asked me if I could take them to the parking lot, is sorry, but that's not what my job is here. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, so it turns out, I think, I don't know if you've been looking around, but parking underneath the wing of uh, an interesting photo, uh, you know, beauty ship like this, uh, I'm getting the feeling we're, we've, we've now up here in a whole lot of photographs that people have taken. Um, that I've been watching people taking pictures of this Osprey while we've been sitting here, and they're kind of looking at us with that daggers a little bit, like, what are those guys doing there ruining my shot? But uh, we're going to get out of here now and let them take pictures without um, us enhancing them. Uh, so... Anything else before we finish? Are we done? Well, 
there's still two days of the show, folks. Yeah. And if you're in the neighborhood, it's worth coming by. There's flying action going on from dusk, from dawn to dusk. Uh, and more tomorrow, tomorrow night, yeah. Tomorrow night is the uh, bigger of the two night air shows. Uh, Sunday's show will be a little bit shorter, but still lots to see. A huge amount of air, a huge number of airplanes here, uh, and just great people all in all. Yeah. And then that's what it's all about. Yep, yep. We may even see Jeb tomorrow. We'll see. I don't know, but maybe. We hope so. Yeah, we hope so. Anyways, four seven three uh, Charlie. Charlie. I think that's it. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Bye-bye.